0: Good morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are good. We thank you that you are in control, you are watching, you know, you see our hearts, you see every single thing about us, and we thank you that we have the privilege, we have the honor, we have the joy of coming together and coming into your presence and coming before your throne and worshiping you for who you are because you are are good let's worship the king of kings just release desire let your whole being call on him Lord we invite you We want you. 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 Lord, that you would do something profound in our hearts that we would see with our eyes. Father, that this is not mere liturgy, ceremony, pageantry. But God, you are training us uh, to pull your presence to the earth. Father, that we... Are increasing in our capacity. The capacity of our faith is growing to say, Come, and to see you manifest in our midst. God, we pray in Jesus' name, erase from our minds, erase from our souls, Lord, the religious notions. That there is a separation between what we do here and manifestation. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? The Bible says that the spirit and the bride say come. We're told to pray your kingdom come. But you know what we do? We religiously put this on God. Oh, God decides when he comes. No, God doesn't decide. We decide based on our faith and our alignment to the precepts of the kingdom of heaven. And one day, we're going to cross the invisible threshold. We don't know what it is. But it's defined by this word, fullness. Fullness. Where the sound on earth becomes so full, it reaches the prescribed fullness that heaven has been waiting for. And when heaven hears that fullness, the full measure of the light, the full measure of the presence, the full measure of the glory will touch the earth. And he will come in fullness. And so this morning, God is trying to erode away the idea that, well, we'll do this and we'll see if he wants to or not. And and the lack of success, well, I guess God didn't want to. That notion must be erased from our lives. It must be erased from our lives. Oh God, do it in Jesus' name. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, team. I I love the uh, these guys. I never told them this, but this morning before I came, and the last couple of days, I kept seeing this picture of worship and seeing. You know the presence of God manifest, and you know how God manifested in in the temple in Israel, with the tent of meeting, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And when they were doing that, I I was seeing that smoke rising, and I just thought, what an amazing, beautiful prophetic picture of what's happening in the invisible realm. When you so bless you, you know that. Sometimes it's easy to step into what we did yesterday, but sometimes you just sort of land on an expression that's novel and new and represents what's really happening in the invisible realm. That's what we saw this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I want to read a passage from First Peter. In First uh, Peter chapter 1... In verse 22, this is what it says. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Everybody hear that? Love one another fervently. Not just love one another. Love one another fervently. Another translation says love one another deeply. Deeply. Love one another. So, you know, there's, there's, there's layers of characteristics defining. These words are not there by accident, okay? These actually mean something. Love one another from the heart, deeply, not only that, but with a pure heart. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another deeply with a pure heart. Three characteristics. That's kind of interesting. I, I kept seeing this picture uh, while we were worshiping of this full engagement. This morning when I was uh, just getting ready and praying, and uh, I can't even remember where it was, whether we had started the worship of the first service, but I saw the wheels of a clock. It's like wheels within wheels. You know how clocks work. They have, they have teeth on the edge, and the teeth you know, kind of wind other 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 other's wheels they engage Wheels engage other wheels, but I saw this system of wheels one further removed from the visible and I saw that it was possible for one wheel to move but not engage the other But this one to be engaged with the teeth but then not engage the deepest part of you and i felt like the lord is saying i want to bring an alignment to your life so that not only do you love each other but you love each other deeply and not only do you love each other deeply but you love each other deeply with a pure heart you know these these things are not accidental they're they're part of our makeup that we do not understand we are three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, right? And so we can do things, right? We can do things with our body, right? Your children say, okay, uh, sit down. I don't want to sit down. Sit down or I'll spank you. Okay, but I'm standing up inside, (laughs) right? That old saying, all right? Because you can do something, but you can do it under objection. And so in other words, you're not fully doing it. You're doing it, but you're not. And that's what God is trying to say to us, is that there's a way in which we are on the surface doing something, but there might be a deeper way to do that, or a fuller way. How much of you is actually engaged in that thing? And this is, this is the part of the whole process of God. He's, he's trying to engage the deepest parts of us in what he wants us to do. But that's not easy to do. If it were easy to do, everybody would be doing it. And in reality, the ones that God blesses and anoints and pours out more favor on are the people who succeed in doing that from the deepest places, from the heart, with a pure heart. And so what is it going to take for that to happen what is it going to take for that to happen well I can't fully answer that but first of all if you don't know it's not happening you are you will never you will never go there right you need to begin to realize that there is something beyond because what happens is, is two people are doing the same thing and they say well why is that guy being rewarded for doing this thing by God and I'm not because you're not doing it from the heart well how do I do that well, you know, do I put more feeling into it? So, we, you know, we throw more intensity, more purposeful, soulish power. It's like, okay, that's one, that's deeper, that's great. You're, you're, you know, you're engaging yourself in that. But how do you engage that deeper part that you don't know how it works? Wow. That's complicated. I remember physically discovering some of these things relative to sports because I started analyzing sports, and I was, I was trying to figure out. I played hockey. I played badminton. I, I did uh, judo. I lifted weights. I, I, I played soccer. And I started to analyze. I thought, you know, why, why is it I can't kick the ball very hard, but, but I can shoot the puck really hard? Because I thought, well, it's because you know you're not as tall as others. You're not you're not as heavy as others. You know the guy that's six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds would be able to do that. But I thought, yeah, but I've seen some little guys do, you know, hit, kick the ball really well. In fact, in fact, I play hockey with a guy who's my height, my weight, and he can't shoot at all. And I'm just as strong as him. He's just as strong as me. He can't shoot worth beans. It's embarrassing. Now, on the soccer field, I'm embarrassed because that guy can kick the ball like nobody's business. And I'm thinking, okay, no, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Something's a little fishy. I should be able to kick the ball just as so much as him. You know what I conclusion I came to? I must be doing it wrong. Oh, that's a hard one. No, the ball is simply not cooperating. It has to do with physical laws that are, you know, that make you not culpable. You know, you you are you are not guilty in this sense. You're you doing everything right, but the world is against you. So, long story short, I went to a guy. I was at, we lived on a military base, so we had these rec staff. They're professional you know, gym, gym, the gym people who did sports, trained and all the rest of that, and I said, I said uh, can you show me the proper technique for kicking a ball? Because I think I'm doing it wrong. And so he showed me, and I discovered something very important, that the power, the power from your kick does not come from this action. It comes from somewhere more profound. It comes from your core. Your core actually is where most of the power comes from. You, if you golfers, you do that. You realize the same thing. You go to a guy for golf lessons. and The guy's swinging like crazy, snapping his wrist, and he has no control. The ball's going nowhere. He says, you're, "You're you're reaching for the wrong place for power. The power comes from the core." And so they train you to do that. Well, listen. Here's here's the here's the crossover. God is saying, "There's power that comes from your core, and it's not in." emotion, it's not in uh, sincere intention, it's not in intellectual prowess, it's not in just going through the motions of doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. That worship in spirit and truth starts in the invisible places at your core. And if you want to be effective in anything, you have to start from the place of power. And the place of power is the place of the heart. So when you love one another, love one another fervently, but it's only when you engage that third realm, that deepest part of you, do you really step into a level that is more effective. Now, I had this little little diagram in my head I was thinking of sharing with you guys, but it's it's too much, so I'm not going to do it. But one day I will going to have some diagrams of body parts and everything. But it, it actually really comes down to wheels within wheels. Actually, I will share it with you. I'll share it with you. I'll share it with you. Now, think about this. When you're throwing a ball, right? When you're throwing a ball like this, you actually have a number of parts. This motion of stepping forward, you're actually stepping forward, but you're actually pivoting on a point. And if you extended that pivot point, you actually realize it makes a whole circle. You just don't do that. You're only doing a little part of the circle. You're leaning, pivoting from one. But the whole weight of your body is being thrown into that. Furthermore, I'm going to simplify this. You have your arm, and it's going from here to here. It's pivoting on this axis, actually, that's, that also, by extension, is a whole circle. Furthermore, when at the very end, you're snapping your wrist... There's another pivot point, and there's another circle. So it's wheels within wheels within wheels. It's a part of a kingdom principle that's reflected in nature. And if we are going to be effective as believers, we have to realize it's not enough to do one of those three. That one of those three, as sincere, as good-hearted, as as you know, as much as we invest, I'm going to do this, as, I'm going to dance as much as I can. But is your soul fully engaged? Love the Lord your God, it says, with all your strength, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. There's a fullness. If you do it with just all of your strength, but not all of your mind, not all of your heart, it's incomplete. It's partial. It's empty. So, Father, I pray right now that a spirit of revelation would go out, Lord, that would begin to see everything we thought we were doing perfectly, everything we thought we were doing accurately, we did it to the level of our knowledge. I pray for an insight into the hidden parts Father, that we will not hide behind the facade of, I did it correctly, I did it right, I did what I was told, I did what the Bible says. But, Father, that we'll begin to entertain the fact, the possibility of user error. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? All right, so there is a possibility that you might be wrong. (laughs) wow well when it comes to the kingdom of god the question is how do you engage fully from top to bottom and in in reality the hardest part is how do you engage your heart how does your heart the I've, i've been looking at this for years and years and years and years and years and i'm always trying to figure out partially because i'm somewhat competitive Partially because I was driven by ambition. Partially, but it doesn't matter. God has a way to fix ambition and pride and all those things. He loves the fact that there's desire. You know, Peter was a guy full of desire. I had all the wrong motivations. But the fact that he was willing, hey, I can work with this guy. The guy that's holding back on every level. It's like, yeah, come on. It's totally huge. So we we gotta be willing to step out of that comfort zone. I'm gonna do this with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my strength, even if I look silly, even if I do it wrong. And so the question is what are the things that that on the deepest part of us, where is where is the holdback? Where where what is where is the lack of engagement? I shared this morning in the first service this idea that, you know, when you're we were told when we were young, you know, when you're pointing your finger at somebody, there's nine fingers pointing back. And recently, and when I say recently, I mean in the last 20 years, the Lord has been showing me that worship is like that. That worship, because I started realizing there's different qualities of worship. When, when I listen to some people sing, for example, I, I, thought, I, mean, I used to think, oh, that person sings really beautifully. But then I, I heard people who weren't as beautiful a singer as that person singing, and it engaged me more. I thought, what is that thing that it's... Okay, so it's not all about just the aesthetics. There's something deeper going on than the outward beauty, the form, the structure that presentation takes. There's, there's something invisible that's affecting the impact and so, of course, you watch, uh, you watch shows like, like um, you know, talent shows and the rest of that. And, and, and the, of course, in that world, they talk about, well, you really moved me. I could really feel your, your pain. Or I could really feel. So you, what you have is people who have an ability to engage not just their vocal cords, yeah. yep. not just their, you know, Oh, what a great presentation. You moved your hands at just the right time. You know, you pretended to be engaged in all the right ways. Except if you weren't, there's a hollowness to that presentation. What if there was that in the natural? Well, I don't want I'm not an expressive person. Well, the Bible says express yourself. I don't care if you're expressive. Just do it. Okay, I'll do it. All right, now mean it. <sighs> okay, now I mean it. Is that good enough? No. Now engage with your heart and all your emotional intention and energy and with your body. Ah, oh, You ask a lot. You see, we're not here to please ourselves. We're, we're saying, God, we want a standing ovation from heaven by a standing ovation where God wants to come down and be here with us we're moving towards that so the question is what are the things that cause that lack of response well we go back to that ten finger thing it's just an illustration but it's an idea it's this thought that when I point the finger at you don't point your finger at anybody because there's nine fingers pointing back and so when we're worshiping I realize that You know, I can be doing everything perfectly on the surface and yet thinking about something else. I can even be thinking about something, you know, that's appropriate. Think, oh, God, how much I love you. But what if in your heart, in an invisible place, that there was a division of labor that was not equitable? What does that mean, not equitable? Equitable. Equitable. A division of life. I mean, it means that what if you were taking responsibility for good things in your life that you weren't responsible for? What if, oh, you know, God really blessed me, not because he's good, but because I did all the right things. We would never say that. But he's blessing me because I'm a better Christian. I mean, at the end of the day, there's this intentional, maybe not intentional as far as we understand in our mind, but we actually take credit for doing things. Ah. And as soon as somebody gets less than us, I'm like, clearly, I'm a better Christian. Clearly, God loves me more. Clearly, And I want you to know that my whole life has been God rebalancing the equation so that when I began to worship him, I was worshiping him with one finger and then I realized, oh, I'm not really responsible. So I was stopped in my heart giving myself glory with the other nine and I began to give him glory with an extra finger. Oh, you deserve the glory. And eventually, through a series of processes and stuff, he showed me, actually, you can't do anything. Without me, you can't do anything. Oh, yeah. Once I became really convinced of that, then my worship became fuller. Yes. Another part of my heart came online, and, and it's like, oh, you deserve the glory. And that was great, and he received that worship, and it's wonderful, and he's, but the time comes when he says, I'd like four fingers. <laughs> I'd like another slice of your heart giving me the credit. And so he delves into the secret places of our lives where we're stealing away some of the glory. We think, yeah, well, I know you do help a lot, Lord, but I really, I got up early for years to seek you. You know, I mean, that was me setting the alarm, <laughs> right? We always find some way to give ourselves credit. And then he says, and this is what he did with me. He took me through a season where I set the alarm, but I couldn't hear it. My sleep was so deep, I would sleep through it day after day after day. And he's like, okay, so all that virtue involved in setting your alarm, how's that working for you? In other words, he's saying, listen, everything you think you own, you take credit for. I'm going to start taking those things away, and you're going to begin to see that there's another layer of supply also which comes from me. Like, how far do you want to go with this, Mark? You know, at what point are you going to give up? What, what, what point are you going to fully recognize these words you believe, you say you believe, when my son said, without me, you can do Nothing. Oh, I believe that, but I don't. See, my capacity to take credit is pride. It's part of a deception. I did this. I did this. Right when uh, Nebuchadnezzar was looking over his kingdom, look at uh, this Babylon the Great, which I have built. And what did God say? Mm, okay. Take away everything you got. You're an animal in the fields for years crawling around. You know, that's the mercy of God. That right there is the mercy of God that I would interrupt the, uh, the logistics behind your pride to show you that you can do nothing. This is so unfair. I mean, it's amazing how people can get so angry at God and begin to believe that God is so unrighteous when he's actually acting mercifully on your behalf in order to get you to a place where you recognize he alone deserves the glory. And yet, when he begins to do that in some people's lives, they begin to get more and more angry with God. And then one day, we're all going to stand before him and realize, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Why did it take me so long to praise you? Why did it take me so long for that part of my heart? You know, and uh, this is getting ahead of us, but let let me say this. All strife, all division, all envy, all judgment, all criticism comes out of the desire for ownership of the good that desire for recognition, that credit-taking monster that's at the core of our being that God has tried. See, the gospel is God saying, you can do nothing. I am the source of everything good. Me and only me. Me and only me. Me and only me. See, I call it the division of labor because of all the outcomes in my life, I feel like, you know, I'm putting in a lot of effort here. Doing a lot of fasting, a lot of praying, a lot of Bible reading. I'm foregoing a lot of earthly pleasures here for you, God. And that's the nature of self. When, 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 when you are self-oriented, you don't see all the other dynamics that make this possible. You only see the part you play. And if you're only looking like at the part that you play, like that's eh, a pretty big piece of the pie. The part I'm doing. I could have been resentful, but you know, the Bible says forgive and I. Gritted my teeth and said, "Okay, forgive you, jerk." <laughs> right? We're aware of what we're doing, so obviously, of course, we—I'm sure God helps in some way. And we never say that, but this is what's going on in our hearts. You know, it's—it's it's by His grace. I don't—I don't—I don't know how that works. You know, like you know, I do most of the work, and then God takes the credit at the end. So God, issue by issue, line by line, began to strip away. Because I didn't know I thought those things. I didn't know know that my disillusionment, my questioning God, my impatience, my my why is this happening this way? And why isn't my ministry coming to a greater... I mean, me and God know that I'm perfect. I mean, uh, just, you know, really sincere i guess not uh okay available (laughs) after you discover you're not sincere you're not full-hearted you're not humble you're not and it's like okay you've got nothing left to take credit for so what what happened is god gradually through the spirit of revelation and knowledge began to show me that there was something else responsible for my success And when I was visited with failure, it was because God was trying to show me, without me, you can do nothing. So that success was always him, and failure was always the result of me assuming the success was mine. What's the net result? The net result is that secret credit I take that I can't escape. I can pretend it's not there, Yes, it's not me, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Honestly, I remember when I first started hearing about humility. I was like, humility, that could be a really good gig. (laughs) I should do some of that. What does that look like again? Oh, yeah, it's self-effacing. Yeah, don't take credit, don't boast. I can do, I can pretend not to take credit. I can pretend to not think I'm better than others. Let's do that. And when somebody, somebody gives me a compliment, I'll just, you know, take it in stride. It was just Jesus. <laughs> Except I remember, you know, deciding to do that, and somebody gave me a credit, and I was like, I was confused. I, I didn't even know how to say it, and, and I, I actually couldn't even respond properly. I said something idiotic. Why? Because my heart was confronted with the reality, and I acting humble was not there when the heart was like, "Whoa, somebody recognizing me!" <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just Jesus. Because <laughs> there's this discordant response, because what you're trying to act like is not who you are. You take credit. You feel responsible. So what God is trying to show me along the way is all your resentments, all your judgments come out of entitlement. All. 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 And entitlement cannot worship. Entitlement cannot really give credit to anybody, not even God. That's why Lucifer said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. I will sit in the highest place. This is the anthem of that fallen nature which Lucifer gave into. It grew up in him and now he's transposed it to humankind. And the redemption is God saying, I am going to free you from the entire orientation that consumes you. But you need to let me one level at a time, one layer at a time. You see, I, I believe that, that the fullness we're coming to, and you've heard this before, but that it's going to be manifested in a kind of a worship so that not only is it aesthetically pleasing but there's a response of heaven because the worship will be real what differentiates between an anointed worship moment where the glory of God and the presence is as thick as, as the humidity outside in a, on a Filipino day actual hearts Giving credit where credit is due. See, we, we go from the outside in. Okay, what how do we do this church thing? Okay, all right, wait. Oh, these are the songs we sing. Okay, let's sing them. Yeah, people aren't coming. Let's sing them better. <laughs> yeah. And and the 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 engagement that God wants is, no, I want you to actually worship me. And even if you do it ascetically less pleasing than other churches, I will come, and I will draw all men to me so but there has to be a shift inside of you. it has to be this shift this the division of labor the 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 what you believe, what activities you believe are responsible for the good outcomes must begin to favor God more than they favor you and then to the point where you are so aware that it's God that even when people say hey good job there's nothing in you that rises up to take credit and you're not trying to hide the fact that you're rejoicing and feeling all special because of that praise you just it just lands somewhere else because you just know That you know, that you know it wasn't you. I mean, it didn't mean you didn't get up in the morning and pray or whatever, but you knew that all the essential matters that make this thing a kingdom thing came from Him. Because every good, perfect gift comes from above. See, that's a scripture I had a hard time with when I was a young Christian. Like, I know it says that and I believe that, however, a lot of these things seem to be coming from me. (laughs) <laughs> right you know i mean i, um, I it's gr- it's grueling stuff for giving people that you're annoyed at who clearly have no regard for decency so what is the what is the what is the issue here because what god is doing is he's drawing a line between two kingdoms he is trying to increase your participation in worship because your participation in worship is increased by your participation in the kingdom. And your ability to participate in the kingdom begins with him dividing between one, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. So he's trying to show us what things belong to the kingdom of darkness. That's what, the whole, that's what all the epistles are talking about. When James is talking about things, he's talking about essential essence. He's saying, listen, so, uh, where there's confusion and uh, selfish ambition, no, where there's selfish ambition, there's confusion and every evil thing. So I want you to realize this, Mark. Church, I'm trying to get you to understand that when you operate in ambition, you release confusion and every evil thing. And just topping it off with a Christian facade is not quite good enough. Let's, let's build a ministry for my glory, but pretend it's for God. Let's say all the right things, but in our heart, we are gleaning of glory, of taking credit for everything. Why is there so much dissonance in the church? Because we don't know what the kingdom is. We don't know how to be pure. Love, deeply, with a pure heart? Okay, love. Hey, love you. No, deeply, love you. From a pure heart. Don't know how to do that one. This is a, we are his workmanship. He's, we are a part of this amazing process that you want to start loving where when he's exposing all the selfish ambition, all the ways that you, well, how do I know when that's happening? Well, when somebody gets credit for what you did. And you're not, This is injustice. This is right, righteous indignation. I gotta stop this, man. <laughs> right there, that response. That response means you want credit. Oh, please praise me. Oh yeah. Well, no, no, it's all Jesus. But please praise me more. Uh, this is the predicament of fallen mankind. It's it's common to all of us. In in lessening increments. If we accept the workmanship, the work that God is doing, as he eroding away these things, the beauty is, let me let me tell you, the beauty of it is. All of these things, ambition, pride, jealousy, unforgiveness, you know the need for recognition, all these things, they are the things that snag you up. They are the things that create dissonance in your marriage, at work, in your relationships. These are the things. It is, it is that impulse inside of us that must die for which Jesus gave his life. And he said, if you pick up your cross and follow me, then you can have, to the degree you do that, reward of my kingdom. Oh, okay, I want to do that. I want to do that. But, you know, somebody said once, he he said, okay, think about it. He says, if being unselfish results in eternal glory and reward, isn't selfishness the main impetus for being unselfish? On the surface, it may seem that, but here's the thing. is the kind of ambition that drives us, that comes out of fallenness, has a, has a life cycle. Do you know what I mean by a life cycle? It's like that fridge that goes bad at a certain time. It sours and reveals what it really is. And so God, God puts you in scenarios where it takes time to get recognition, like from now into eternity, So the impulse to not need, to not need acknowledgement, ambition, praise, reward, acknowledgement, and all those things, we're deferring that to much, much later. Not next day, not next week, not a year from now. We're delaying it. To not only to, to other situations and other times, but to another person. We're waiting for our reward to come from God. And that, makes, that's make, that, that ensures it's not of the earth because we're, I can't explain it, but it, it, there's an eternal value. So God is doing this right now. And as he's calling us into this, this is what he says. He said, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The important word there is righteousness. The kingdom of God is in all righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness is the essential, the essential thing because what we're, what we're trying to come into is an awareness of what's righteousness. And the truth is, we don't know. We just we absolutely don't know. So we come into church, we're born again Christians, we say, okay, well, what do we need to do here? Oh, all we need to dance. Yeah, I'm not much of a dancer. But okay, I'll give it a shot. But because we did something that wasn't comfortable for us, we feel very righteous. Ooh, that was very righteous. You gave $5 in the offering, ooh, how righteous of you. What God is trying to do is separate, make a distinction between the things we do to obtain praise and actual righteousness. But he's saying, listen, what, what I want to do is I want to show you that I am the source of all good. I'm the very definition of all good. But you you wouldn't know good if it hit you in the face. But we start from a position in life where we believe we are good, certainly better than other people. And the circumstances of life are really designed to stack up against that belief so that we finally say, I'm no better than my father. I'm no better than the last generation of the church. I'm no better than the leaders that are leading it right now. In fact, I, I would build a system that would make me emperor. Everybody in my hand all the time calling me Your Excellency. That's the disposition of fallenness. It's amazing how the human mind can contort that into righteousness. Systems of righteousness. And this is a summary of the fabric of history. The church history. But here's the promise. God is saying, I will have a people. A people who are going to let me erode ambition and pride and self-righteousness and competition and impatience and, and all the pretentious surface superficial manifestations of goodness that are not that may look like me but are not me so that I can give them who I really am and I'm looking for a people that that's their whole cry is that's what they want that's why, I want. Oh God, I, I want you. I am, I am so distrustful of me. Usually it's like, nah, I distrust you. Me, I'm sure of. I'm sincere. No. The righteousness of God, as it increases in your life, will cause you to distrust you and give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. Father, I pray today that as we seek. For your kingdom and your righteousness. God, we pray you would undo the layers. God, the it is diabolical, the diabolical way that we give ourselves credit. The diabolical way that we substitute our righteousness for your righteousness. God, we want to pray the prayer that Paul said that we desire, Lord, to be the circumcision of God who put no Confidence in the flesh when we cross and I don't know how many thresholds there are to cross but when we cross the next one the presence of God will increase significantly in this place but that increase of the presence of God that brings a blessing to everybody who comes here is not based on the worship team it's not based on my preaching it's not based on how good the bass player or the drummer is It's based by the intent of our collective hearts. How many fingers are pointing upward when we say you deserve the glory? That's our objective. That's our direction. And that's why God is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth because the capacity to do that is a reflection of, That the rest of the work has been done. Worship is the litmus test of your conversion. Worship is the litmus test of the depth of the work of God, bringing selfishness to death. And we say, Lord, hasten the work of that. Do it faster. Use my marriage. Use my wife, right? Use my wife, Lord. Use my husband. Use my children, use circumstances, use annoying people. Can you let's close our eyes, let's invite him right now to use every measure at his disposal to identify everything false. The world is waiting for a people to emerge who have invited this work into their life. Everybody said, amen. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you began this work in us. We were blind when you brought us in, and we suddenly gained some sight, and we presumed it was all sight, but Lord, you are giving us more light with each passing month, each passing week, and we say, Lord, more. Lord, eat away at our blindness. Eat away at the things which, which are creating our inability to release your kingdom, God, and make us vessels, vehicles for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah.